what I saw a lot of people trying to do was build an audience on, let's say, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn uh, through their company and then just share content out from their company accounts. Uh, and the challenge with that is it typically takes time to grow an audience there and you're not getting that many clicks and, and traffic from um, just sharing it on company accounts unless you have a massive brand. And so the idea behind community content promotion was to really uh, flip that model. This is Regrowth, and I'm Matthew Kammerer. Today, I'm chatting with Benji Hyam, the co-founder of Grow & Convert. As the manager of a content marketing agency, Benji sees firsthand how organic community content promotion is returning diminishing results. Today, he talks about how marketers can pivot strategies to keep up lead generation during changing times. Let's dive in. So I want to start with better understanding how you first got started in marketing. In marketing. Uh, so I figured out that I wanted to do marketing actually in high school. I took a, a marketing class, which is kind of rare for people to take in high school, and just kind of fell in love with figuring out what people wanted. Uh, then I decided I wanted to go to university for marketing, ended up going to San Diego State, studied integrated marketing communications, which was a newer degree. Uh, so I took half business courses, um, part marketing and part journalism, uh, which I guess kind of lends itself to where I ended up in my career. And the first job I got out of university was at a company called Vistage International. They do CEO coaching uh, for companies that make over a million in revenue. And I joined as a social media coordinator at the time, which was kind of an undefined role. So it was part social. And then the other part of my job was uh, to figure out something to do with their blog. Uh, so they, when I joined, they had about a thousand monthly visitors on their blog and the blog was just kind of given to me to do what I wanted with. And the goal was to grow traffic and try to generate leads for the company. Uh, so at that time, I really didn't know anything about content marketing and I just kind of started reading and taking courses and just experimenting and through trial and error, ended up growing their blog to 20,000 unique monthly visitors over the course of a year. Uh, and then from there, I kind of wanted to branch out into different areas of marketing. And so I got cross-trained in SEO and in paid search. And my goal at that time was to run marketing for a company. Uh, so I wanted to build skill sets in different areas on top of just doing content marketing. And that was kind of the path that I took. So uh, three years after that, I ended up joining a company in San Francisco as the first marketing hire. And the idea behind that was I really wanted to learn how to grow a company from the ground up. Uh, and the path that I actually chose in that company to grow uh, was content marketing. Uh, it was a software development company. And in kind of analyzing the space, I realized there was an opportunity to really educate people on how to do software development properly, because not a lot of the development firms were really sharing a lot of advice and education around that, uh, and grew that company through content marketing, grew their blog from zero to 35,000 monthly unique visitors in six months. And that ended up driving a majority of the leads for the company. And then I got poached to do the same thing over again at another startup in San Francisco. And at that time, I just kept having people ask me, uh, essentially, 
how I did what I did, how I grew the blog so quickly and how I generated leads through content marketing and realized it was kind of a need that a lot of people uh, had and there wasn't a lot of advice on. And that's kind of how I transitioned into starting the Grow and Convert blog and eventually um, the agency that I have now. That's awesome. So did you start the blog before you left and started the agency full time? I did. So the blog was actually just a side project. Uh, I started it with my now uh, co-founder, Davish. Uh, he had a background in conversion optimization and analytics, uh, and he he has a CRO agency. And he was doing some consulting at the time for people like Brian Dean of Backlinko and Brian Harris of Video Fruit on uh, conversion of uh, blog conversions. And then mm -hmm. I had grown blogs doing content strategy and promotion. And so that was my skill set. And so we combined both of our skills and started writing about how to do content marketing for companies, B2B companies specifically. Uh, and we, the idea at the beginning was let's just grow an audience and share our advice and see where this goes. And about three months into the blog, I decided to quit my job and I moved to Bali and basically tried to get this business off the ground. And so we went through a number of iterations before we ended up on the agency. Uh, a few, like two different courses, uh, one kind of like a phone consulting course, uh, in-person workshops when I came back from Bali in San Francisco, and then we launched an online course. And through all those experiences, that kind of led us to the agency that we have now, where we do full service end-to-end -end content marketing for our clients. So let's dive in and talk a little bit about content promotion with that being your big focus now. So how has content marketing changed since you first got started in it? You have a vast history there. Yeah, so we first started our blog by kind of launching a challenge uh, of growing our site to 40,000 unique monthly visitors in six months. And the idea behind that was twofold. Uh, one, I just wanted to beat my own personal record of growing a site from zero to 35,000 in six months. Um, so that was just more like a personal challenge for myself. Um, but really the idea was we were kind of unknown in the space before. Uh, so, I mean, people had known what I had done in San Francisco, but on the internet, I had never really written about, uh, any of the content marketing work that I'd done or any really of the marketing work that I had done before. And so to really build the trust, we wanted to, uh, grow a, a blank WordPress site. Uh, quickly and share what we were doing in order to do that and get people to follow along. And so the idea was if we're sharing what we're doing on the content strategy side, we're sharing where we're promoting the content, uh, that that would build an audience. And so that's kind of what we did. So uh, we started producing articles, just sharing how we did content marketing. Uh, at the end of every month, we would share a recap on what we had written about that month and why, and then also where we promoted the content and largely at that time we were using uh, Facebook groups, sites like Growth Hackers and Inbound and Reddit uh, mm -hmm. to get the content out into the wild and, and in front of the audience that we wanted to get in front of, which was marketers inside of B2B companies. And that was largely the strategy that worked for us. Uh, we, I think in the first month we got 1500 or so visitors and month two, I think 3000. And I think by month four or month, yeah, by month four, I think we had grown it to 16,000 unique monthly visitors and 22,000 sessions on our site. And 
that was kind of where we capped out on being able to promote uh, through these communities. And then also at that point, I kind of had a need to shift focus from just growing an audience to making money. And we felt like we had built the trust with our audience and, and kind of proven that we knew how to drive traffic through content. And so we started shifting the focus from just purely traffic growth to uh, testing different products and, and trying to turn the site into a business. You recently wrote an article about how the content promotion strategy is changing and what marketers should do to adapt a bit to that. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give us a quick summary of that article? Yeah, so we've been doing the same thing for the last two years. So community content promotion is a term that we coined on our site back in 2016. And the idea there was what I saw a lot of people trying to do was build an audience on, let's say, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn uh, through their company and then just share content out from their company accounts. Uh, and the challenge with that is it typically takes time to grow an audience there. Uh, and you're not getting that many clicks and, and traffic from um, just sharing it on company accounts unless you have a massive brand. And so the idea behind community content promotion was to really uh, flip that model, which was some company or some person has already done the work in terms of building an audience somewhere online, whether it's through these private communities like inbound or growth hackers, or whether it's in Facebook groups, uh, people have already collected all the people that you're trying to get in front of. And so the idea behind community content promotion was to do the research and finding the communities that already exist and then share your content in those places as a way to drive your target audience back to your website. Um, and so for our own site, this is the strategy that we use mainly to grow the site from 2016 until now. And, and it's still pretty much the only thing that we do. And a year and a half ago when we started our agency, um, this is the way that we promoted all of our clients' content, regardless of the industry, whether it was marketing, sales, software development, or any of the clients we worked with, we would research uh, communities online. So for the more technical audience, it might be sites like Hacker News, it might be uh, Facebook groups that are more focused on founders or development or building products. Uh, for marketers, it would be those sites like Growth Hackers or Inbound or Facebook groups that had to do with marketing or growth. And, and we'd find these communities and share the content in these places. I would say the shift really happened in the beginning of this year where we started to see uh, diminishing results in sharing the content in some of these places. I think it's it's due to a couple things. One, I think on a macro level, Facebook and LinkedIn and some of these larger platforms um, stopped caring as much about engagement and started caring more about making money. And so from an algorithm perspective, a lot of the, the shift was towards paid products instead of uh, organic um, distribution in some of these groups. So we used to be able to post articles in groups and it would have um, a lot of people be able to see those in their newsfeed. And I think that has become less and less over time on both Facebook and LinkedIn. And, and I think also another challenge for us was sharing, well, I think there's two trends. Us sharing a lot of content from the same clients in the same places, I think gives us diminishing returns over time. So that becomes more challenging. And then the other thing is, I think is, as we started writing about this and more and more people caught on to this, I think you just had a lot of people sharing content in the same places. And a lot of the content that was shared there was subpar. 
And so I think it just kind of hurt this uh, promotion tactic overall. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When you were sharing those in those communities, did you have your own personal accounts you were sharing against or were you using company accounts that you had generated and built uh, momentum around? Yeah, so we were using our own personal accounts. And I think the important thing here is we weren't just going into these communities and just randomly sharing articles. And I think, again, going back to one of the things that I think hurt this tactic is that's what a lot of people were doing. They would join a group before providing any value or engaging in the group. They would just go share a piece of content and that doesn't really work well. I think in order for this process to work well, you have to approach this in a really authentic way. And so I would find a group and I would scroll through the the group feed and see what conversations are taking place, uh, add value where I can. So if there were questions that people had that I felt like I could answer, I would go in and answer those questions. I would form relationships with the group owners or the community leaders. Uh, and ask them what content that would be valuable to the group or where I can help. And only after I had kind of built that relationship or started to become known in the group would I start sharing content. And I think that's the more authentic approach that works over time and allows you to share a lot more content in these places. And it also helps give you better traction. And I think oftentimes marketers only look at the short-sighted results and they have their own numbers that they're trying to hit so they don't really think about the impact of what they're doing and maybe try to take shortcuts and so oftentimes i'd see a lot of other people join a group and immediately try to share stuff and get banned or this wouldn't work and yeah i think that's kind of the difference between the way that we approach it and and the things that i think are important to do in these groups versus the way that I guess a lot of other people started to to approach this tactic. Fair enough. So you're seeing that diminishing return starting to happen in that community side and moving a little bit towards the paid promotion side, doing a few of those early tests. So tell us how those are going and, and what you've learned so far. I think I started to really notice this in about March or April of this year. And so one thing that we really started testing was Facebook ads, uh, just being we were seeing diminishing return on the organic side. Can we pay to get the content in the same places and in front of the same people? We started out by basically seeing if we could use community content promotion as the primary way we drove traffic. And then the secondary way was to piggyback off of the work that we had done on on the manual promotion side and then see if we could Mm -hmm. build lookalike audiences off the traffic that we had generated manually and get the the pieces in front of new people that way. And so there are a few different tests that we ran on the Facebook side. We started running interest-based targeting. So just uh, audiences based off personas. We did lookalikes based off the traffic that we had already driven to our content. Um, The idea was there was if we're already seeing conversions from the manual promotion or we know we're driving the right audience there, can we uh, create a lookalike audience to find more people like that audience. And then the last thing that we did was retargeting. Uh, and we were doing retargeting straight uh, from signup pages and also straight from the homepage to see if we could use content as a way to uh, kind of like soft sell people. I think that most people think of retargeting as just straight uh, pushing people to a product signup page or a services page. And the idea here was can we use some mid or bottom of the funnel content to get people back on the website and add value in some way and then potentially convert them. Uh, So we've been running tests like that on, say, four to six of our clients. 
and we've started to see some pretty good results. I noticed that you're using mostly um, the social networks and a few others that you're you're doing the syndication through now. Have you ever considered taking a native placement that would traditionally be used for direct response and turning it into more of a content syndication play? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it. I think a lot of the best ideas have come from looking at what works on direct response and testing it in content. This is not as much on the promotion side, but one example I'll give is, is from when I was at that ThinkApps company the company that I grew blog traffic from zero to 35,000, I, I kept questioning what the right conversion mechanism was to convert someone directly off the blog. And mm -hmm. the thinking was, uh, conventional wisdom at the time was that the only way to convert people off your blog was to nurture them and turn them into a lead. Um, but my thinking was in, in the software development space, you either have a need to, to build something or you don't. There's no way that nurturing someone over time is going to convince someone to go build a product. Yeah. <laughs> and so that whole idea of nurturing someone didn't really make sense. And so what I did is I looked at some of the blog posts that were ranking for organic search or that had some purpose of intent behind it. So an example of that would be how to, uh, should you build an, uh, an app on iOS or Android? And so I try to put mm -hmm. myself in the customer's point of view and think, if I'm reading this post, where am I at in the buying cycle? And I kind of determine that they're pretty far along in the research stage. They probably already have an idea of something that they want to build, um, but they might not have a vendor or might not know exactly how they want to build it. So if we could get on the phone with people at this stage, um, this would probably be a great lead for the company at this point in the buying process. And so the direct response kind of call to action that I started testing or some things that I took from the direct response space was I, I created a pop-up that would, that would come up after two minutes of reading the post and just said, Hey, if you're interested in learning more about um, building on iOS versus Android and you didn't get enough information from the post, or you just want to talk it through with someone, hop on the phone with one of our mobile development consultants and we'll just weigh the pros and cons with you. And this worked really well. So this is how we started generating a ton of leads from the content that we were producing was creating these custom calls to action and really trying to figure out what the intent was behind the reader on the blog post and then just getting them on the phone with a salesperson. And it was a more consultative sales approach. It definitely, the people weren't ready to purchase at this point. But what I found, because I was the one who was doing all these sales calls, was that the people that we helped uh, in this early research phase would typically come back to us two to three months after we talked to them because we had built the, the relationship and built that trust with them on the front end by helping them out. And so before they'd even gotten into researching other firms, we had already built that relationship. And so they were, they were coming back to us to, to do business with us. Yeah, absolutely. Are you looking at a multi-touch conversion path for the content on the bottom of the funnel? I hear so frequently content being used for top of funnel, so it's interesting to hear it flipped a little bit there. Yeah, we're seeing direct conversions come through on some of those. Um, but yeah, usually it's, it, it takes mm -hmm. multiple touch points to convert someone. So even the retargeting list, I mean, those people might have come from another piece of content or they might have come from a completely different channel, such as ads that the company is running, uh, SEO, I don't know, some, some other referral, and then the content is being used to convert those people. So yeah, it, it's definitely a multi-touch point uh, on some of our other content, the bottom of the funnel stuff. Uh, we're seeing 
basically someone come in and convert in the same session. So it just depends. I would say a, a majority of the conversions come through first touch attribution. And so we, as an agency, we both measure first touch and last touch attribution. First touch meaning uh, someone came to the article as the first interaction with the website and then converted at some later point. So they could have uh, come across the article in some, of the, in some social channel or through a Facebook ad, uh, read the article, bounced, came back through SEO or came back through another ad or came back in any other way and then converted at some later point in time. But we're also seeing uh, people that come through content and convert in the same session. I would say that the last touch attribution, and that's the way that most people measure conversions from content, is far less than the first touch attribution. So meaning we're seeing less conversions come through and convert in the same session as opposed to people mm. come in and then convert at a later point. But yeah, I think that's kind of how I view content anyways. I think the way that I view content is it is usually the first level of awareness someone has about your brand. If someone sees an article and, and starts reading it, uh, usually that's the first touch point that someone has. And, and then it usually takes some time to build that trust with the, with the, the person or user on the other end until they convert. So the interesting thing for me to better understand on that consulting side that you're talking about now is who are the stakeholders when you're diving into that process? And do you always create the content or is sometimes that content written by their in-house editorial team with a bit of guidance and then you help with promotion? Um, so on the second point, we always do create the content. Sometimes the ideas will come from their team because they're a lot closer to the customer. And so they have a better pulse on in terms of what their customer cares about and what are the top questions that are being asked uh, amongst the sales team or on the customer success side of things. And so, yeah, sometimes the ideas will, will come from the team and then our job is to figure out how to best educate people. And the way that we produce content that's different than the way I think most people do uh, is, is the way that most people produce content is they go hire a freelance writer and let's say the idea comes from the company, they would just go tell the freelance writer, hey, go write a blog article on this topic. The problem with that, especially in the B2B space, is that you're trying to educate a really experienced buyer and the writer doesn't have the expertise to be able to speak at that level. So for an example, if we're trying to educate a VP of marketing on content promotion and then we tell some writer to go write an article about content promotion who has no experience in the content marketing industry the article isn't going to resonate and the the vp of marketing once they read the article is, is immediately going to tell be able to tell that the writer doesn't have subject matter expertise to be able to write on this topic which in turn loses the trust before the person even starts reading the article and so the way that we get around that is we pair a writer with a subject matter expert either in the company, uh, so someone on the marketing team, someone who has a real experience doing whatever we're trying to write about. Uh, we might interview the, a customer or we might interview someone in the industry to get the, the real experience and the subject matter expertise into the article. And then the writer kind of takes a back seat and they're more like a, a journalist who is creating marketing content versus them trying to write this piece just purely based on their own research. Uh, and we found that to work well. And then in terms of who the buyer is, typically for us, um, it is a marketer in-house. Uh, so it, it's typically the person who runs the marketing team. They've attempted to do content marketing on their own before. 
and have failed for a number of reasons. And from my perspective, the reason they fail is because content marketing, in order to execute it well, is really complex. If you think about it, even our process, so we have a four-step process, user research, content strategy, content promotion, and then conversions. And in ever like all those uh, pieces require multiple skill sets. So in order to be able to do the, re- the user research, you need to be able to talk to customers, ask, ask the right questions, be empathetic. Uh, then you have to translate that user research into a content strategy, which takes someone who has an understanding of what content is going to do well and has some experience doing content marketing previously. Then you have content promotion, which is a whole nother beast and a whole nother job. And, and you have to figure out how to drive traffic. You have to be able to test stuff. You kind of have to be able to reach out to people and, and yeah, not be scared to do that. And then you have to have like the more analytical mindset in terms of being able to look into analytics and determine where the conversions are coming from and figure out ways to optimize. And so the reason why this is so hard for, for companies to execute on is because they're typically hiring one person to do all of this. And it's, most people don't have all of these skill sets. They're usually strong in one or two areas. And then another mistake a lot of companies make around this is they usually try to hire a writer to, to run their content marketing because they have a short-term problem of just getting the content produced. Um, but the, the challenge with that is the writer is only good at writing typically. They don't have the, the strategy background. They don't have the ability to do the content promotion or the conversion optimization and so companies that hire a writer usually can produce a lot of content, but it doesn't really generate results in terms of traffic or leads for the company. Uh, and then companies that try to hire a single person, um, they're usually good at the content strategy part, um, but they fall short on building the writing team or editing uh, or the conversion optimization side. So it's a really complex problem to solve because it requires a lot of different skill sets and a lot of things to fall into place uh, in order to to get the results needed. When we're looking at the top of funnel versus bottom of funnel content campaigns, how do those vary in content type? And do you ever test gated content for bottom of funnel? Uh, We have tested gated content in terms of bottom of the funnel. The reason that we don't do gated content is because in order to convert someone, you typically need to convert someone twice. And so when you run the math on that, uh, it, it typically doesn't beat trying to get someone to go directly to the call to action you want them to take. So for an example, if you were to put a content upgrade on a blog post, let's say typically one to 3% of the readers of the blog post will convert to an email subscriber or a content upgrade subscriber. And the way that companies typically follow up with those people is they run nurture campaigns. Uh, or they send emails to that list. Mm -hmm. And then you have another, let's say, on the high side, 30 or 40% opens and another 3% click through. And if you just multiply the number of the people that convert between the number of people that even click through, not even to conversion again, that number is usually pretty small. And so from a conversion strategy perspective on the bottom of the funnel content, and actually on all of our content overall, we typically just try to push people directly to the call to action that we want them to take. So sign up for a free trial or hop on the phone with a salesperson. Uh, In terms of the different frameworks uh, between top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel, uh, on the top of the funnel side, we use a lot of narratives. So we might tell stories about 
company that did something really well in the industry or just really interesting stories that people would want to read because those typically get passed around. They're typically not salesy. We also Mm -hmm. use data pieces. And so we might conduct industry research or get uh, data from the company that's unique and do some sort of data analysis. And and those typically garner a lot of traffic and and do pretty well and get shared around. And those have a lot of PR potential and stuff like that. Um, Other things that we do, case studies, those can be somewhere between the top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. And when I'm talking about a case study, it's not just like problem, solution, result. Typically, we find a customer and we really just try to tell their story. And so it's not really selling the product. It's telling the story about a problem one of the customers had before that they came across this product and then how the product helped them improve something in some way and then how that made their life better. And so from a reader standpoint, they can typically see themselves in um, the eyes of of whoever we're talking about and relate to them. And, and that usually leads to more trust in whatever we're trying to push them to. Uh, other stuff that we do, top of funnel is more opinion pieces. And so we might, it, those are more like the thought leadership type of content where someone might take a really uh, big stance on a certain topic. Um, those can sometimes be top of funnel or bottom of the funnel, depending on what the topic is there. I'm trying to think of the last framework that we use can't really think of it right now but yeah those are those are mostly our go-tos there and then on the bottom of the funnel side um, the comparison pieces and uh, a lot of the pieces that weigh competitive options those typically work well as uh, too Hmm. i've never heard gated content explained that way i really like it that you have to convert twice to do anything anyway so it may be worth opening it up when you talk about pushing to a call to action, is it an embedded call to action button? Is it a sidebar banner? Is it a sticky notification? Where do you find the most traction? Yeah, yeah, good question. Uh, so we don't usually use pop-ups or anything. The The way that we've found that best works to convert people is just a call to action in the post that looks really natural. I think maybe mm-hmm. five years ago, the pop-ups were the hot thing on the, the blog conversion side. And we just wanted to create a better user experience. So if someone's reading an article, how could we put a call to action that looks natural and looks like it's part of the post? And so what we try to do on the conversion side is put a call to action that's contextual to whatever is being talked about in the article. So for example, if it was on our site and we were talking about um, content promotion in an article and we were really trying to push people towards our service, uh, one thing that we might do is Say, if you liked a bunch of these tactics on content promotion, uh, our service, our full agency service does, um, we create content and promote content for you, learn more about our service here. And so whatever is being written about in the post relates to the call to action and the goal that the person's trying to achieve by reading the article. And we found that that typically lends itself to higher conversions than just a generic pop-up or some sidebar call to action. Thanks so much for all your insight on content marketing. Now, a closing question for you. What advice do you have for marketers looking to level up their career? So early on in my career, I found mentors and people that I worked for that I wanted to learn more about what they did and gain experience on what they were really good at. And so I think oftentimes a lot of people try to go out on their own or just learn something new without getting mentored or without taking the time to learn it. And I I would say... Even for me, in the first job that I had, 
like a lot of the skills that I learned on SEO and PR uh, were all from other people who were very experienced experts in their field. And they took the time to, to work with me. I asked them a ton of questions and they kind of took me under their wing and taught me a lot of what they know. And I think a lot of my foundational experience came from learning uh, from others that were more experienced than me. So I would say that is something that I'd recommend. And I, I know a lot of people talk about Oh, it's hard to find mentors, but I don't mean a mentor in terms of like going out to ask someone for their advice. Uh, I, I looked at companies that I thought did a really good job in marketing and I applied for those jobs thinking that if I worked for those companies that were really doing something that I respected, uh, that I would be able to learn something from the people that worked there. And so I think that's probably the better approach than just reaching out to mentors cold. Another thing is reading. I read a ton. In marketing, I don't read a lot of marketing books per se. I read a lot of stuff on consumer behavior and psychology because I think that it's really important to understand how people make decisions and being empathetic and understanding people, I think is the most important thing in marketing, less so than the tactics and growth hacks that a lot of people are talking about today. And so I would recommend reading a lot about, uh, yeah, about psychology and consumer behavior and just reading in general, because I think it, it gives you a broad foundation for everything that you need to know. Um, I took a lot of courses early on, and I went to a lot of conferences and just heard different people in the industry speak. And then the last thing is experiment. I think there's a lot of advice that people give uh, that's kind of blanket advice and tries to walk you through a step-by-step process. I'd say it's good to learn from the ideas behind what they're teaching, but I think the only way to truly learn is to to take some of those ideas and experiment on your own and come to your own conclusions. And, and so I think that's what's really important. Trying to get people to read is just creating more consumers for you. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> read books. It doesn't have to be our <laughs> blog. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So online, where can listeners find you? Yeah. On our website, uh, Grow and Convert. So again, we share a lot more depth on each of these individual topics from conducting user research in your company to content strategy to promotion and all that kind of stuff on our site. Um, That's probably the number one place. I'm very active on Twitter as well. So uh, at Benji Hyam, and I typically respond to everyone there. Our email list too, if you sign up, you'll get a email from me basically asking you to introduce yourself and talk about a top challenge. And I do respond to every one of those. Um, so all those are ways that you can get in touch with me. Thanks for listening to Regrowth, the podcast for B2B marketers looking to grow in their careers. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can find us on Twitter at buy, sell ads, and be sure to check out our website for more information on each season and episode.